My name's Rowan Taylor. I'm a leader in AWS's Global Financial Services Industry Business Unit. Thank you for taking the time to be part of this discussion. To start, can you tell us about yourself, your career, and your role at Standard Charter Bank? Yeah, um, I'm here, the Group Chief Information Officer at Standard Chartered Bank. Standard Chartered Bank is a bank which operates pretty much in uh, Africa, Middle East, and Asia. Um, I uh, hired in here in the middle of 2015, and before I was uh, CIO for the Daimler Automotive Group. Great, thanks. We're starting to see financial institutions start to use cloud at scale, overcome security and regulatory concerns, and also work through the challenges of the pandemic. Can you share with us how you lead teams through these changing times? Uh, that is a very complex question, but let me uh, focus on the pandemic first. The pandemic itself was a surprise to uh, all of us. And uh, we saw it first here in the East uh, arising. So we saw, oh, oh, uh, that's going to be nasty. And uh, we put all hands on deck and prepared for uh, our people to be able to be connected to the bank. And then obviously for our uh, customer to stay connected to the bank. And uh, as it evolved, uh, we quickly ramped up all the resources which we need in order to uh, pretty much work, uh, uh, work from home globally. So just to give you an idea, in, in typical times before the pandemic, we were like 5,000 people working from home at uh, any time. And uh, during the pandemic, it ramped up to nearly 100%. So with uh, 70, 80,000 people working from home. So this was a, a tight uh, schedule and it was um, very, it was uh, uh, condensed, um, but uh, as it, it didn't come at the same time everywhere. We were able to uh, just ramp up very fast um, uh, uh, following the pandemic, uh, so to say, from uh, east to west. Great, thanks. Are there any lessons you've learned through the pandemic that you'd apply to the bank and the way you manage moving forward? Yeah, absolutely. When we had, we had actually uh, some leeway, so or not leeway, but, but we had some 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 uh, reserves and buffers in, in our infrastructure, and, and this was very important um, because we, we we could activate them uh, at a very short notice, and uh, therefore uh, we were able to uh, to just flip on the services uh, which we had prepared before, um, uh, pretty much in in no time. Actually, in no time is a an understatement. There were long weekends and long nights. Uh, involved, uh, but because we had the capability and a very capable team uh, who was um, able to uh, just uh, be there when they were needed, uh, we were very well prepared and uh, could make it happen. Fantastic, thank you. And and within that context, did you have to come uh, overcome any unique security or regulatory challenges? Uh, luckily, uh, not, um, uh, because we were prepared before. Uh, we, we had all the all the security controls which you would uh, uh, like to have uh, on on your laptops um, installed with uh, second factor authentication. Uh, so therefore, uh, we were well prepared for it, and uh, therefore there were there were no corners which we had to cut, and we could uh, roll out all these services uh, in in a way in a very secure and and safe way. And this is true for both our uh, employees and more important for our uh, customers who were able to um, consume uh, the digital services in pretty much a, in a fluent way. Standard Charter was on a digital journey before the emergence of Born in the Cloud. Can you talk about what triggered Standard Charter's digital transformation and are there any lessons that you can share from that journey? 
these are two questions in one. Uh, let me uh, get to the first, uh, which is a digital transformation. When you look into financial industries, financial industries is actually the one industry which is most suitable for digital transformation, uh, simply because all the data we are dealing with, all the services are digital in the back end. So when you, when you look into payments, into your ledger, everything is digital. So it was obvious that the industry had to go to a digital transformation in a sense uh, that the customers were, had to be connected uh, digitally uh, to the financial services. So that's what we, that's what is what we started in in 2015. Uh, we are a pretty or we were a pretty traditional bank uh, with more than 160 years of legacy, and we decided to uh, we want to stay uh, another 160 year at least. And therefore, the digital transformation was no uh, choice, but it was absolutely mandatory. So we started to invest a lot of money in the uh, front end uh, to convert all the services which were offered in the past in a, in a manual way, on a semi-manual way, uh, to convert them into digital offerings. This took place in the, on the retail side as well on, uh, as in the wholesale side. So we had, we had uh, invested a lot of money in digitizing uh, the last mile so that customers could consume seamlessly all these banking services uh, from uh, with their fingertips or in a, on a mobile or on an internet device. Internally, though, uh, we were uh, still or we are still uh, a bank with a considerable amount of employees. Uh, I mentioned before we are uh, 85,000 employees who work in the front end and the back end. So the digital transformation obviously um, helped to bring the people closer to our customers on the one end side, which means uh, we uh, enable uh, services like uh, video calls with our customers or actually other online services, how uh, relationship managers uh, can be closer to the customers. On the back end, um, as, as many banks, we are in multi locations and therefore the collaboration across our footprint in, uh, in absolute in 60 countries uh, is paramount and therefore it's very important uh, that they stay connected and uh, to, to work with others and collaborate in a, in a very even way. So when the pandemic uh, broke, um, we took this system on steroids because before people were working on different locations, but they were still in the offices. But because uh, we had the ability to dial them in from home uh, with VPNs, uh, we just took this to an extreme and uh, at the end, everybody uh, was working at home. Um, this was quite, um, uh, for me, surprising, uh, to be honest, uh, to run a bank uh, from, from zero to 100, uh, from office to work from home. Uh, but because we had prepared a lot uh, in, the, in the past, we were able uh, to achieve that. Standard Charters working with AWS to deliver a cloud-first market proposition. Michael, can you share with us your um, story and background with Mox Bank? In Hong Kong, we had the unique chance that the Hong Kong Monetary Authority issued um, virtual banking licenses. Hong Kong, just by way of background, is one of our most important markets, and we have been established there uh, for a very long time. So it was clear that uh, we want to be part of this uh, fascinating experiment and we applied for a license, which then at the end was granted. We decided to take that experiment uh, to the uh, extreme level and build an uh, all new digital bank, which has 
ultimate only focus on customer service and the uh, the best possible uh, way of offering this service uh, to our clients. So we started uh, with a, a cloud-only uh, based bank. We took all the latest and greatest components which we could find on the market and assembled them uh, to a service which now went live in September. Just to give you an idea, onboarding in a typical bank uh, takes four hours. You have to fill, uh, you had to fill uh, forms and in some cases you still have to do. In um, Mox, we um, uh, totally redesigned the onboarding process. And I think the record holder uh, was able to onboard in less than uh, three minutes through its mobile and by full digital verification. So this is a milestone in digital banking. And uh, so far, the success has been uh, very good. Uh, our customers value the service and the app in the App Store with very high marks. Thank you for that, Michael. And initially, was there any pushback during the development and implementation phases of your, your cloud-first strategy? Obviously, when we started the uh, journey to the cloud, we had a lot of questions, and not only from the regulators, but also from our internal risk partners. Um, you might know that in a bank, there are, there's a first line and second line of defense in risk. And uh, there are many people who have their eyes over us uh, that we do uh, and watch that we do the right things. So it took a lot of education uh, to explain what the cloud is and how uh, the cloud can actually optimize our uh, ways of working. And the one differentiation which we had to uh, 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 teach our our constituents uh, was that there is a big difference between software as a service and infrastructure as a service. Software as a service being an offering which you buy uh, with a full package, a service which is delivered over the cloud. And infrastructure as a service is something where you have much more control over and can uh, imply and implement your own security controls, um, which actually then uh, our our risk partners were more and more comfortable with. As a matter of fact, as of today, uh, we got a lot of positive feedback also from our banking regulators. Uh, we are on a tour uh, to uh, apply for uh, uh, approvals uh, from these regulators. And um, uh, year to date, we have uh, in 15 countries the unlimited approval to use cloud for banking purposes. Thanks, Michael. From a cultural point of view, how do you motivate your teams to work in a fast-paced and agile environment? And building on that, how do you ensure your colleagues have the right skills and cultural fit to work at the fast pace and dynamic environment that Standard Charter wants to deliver with? As you can imagine, in a, in a bank like ours, you have to mix and match the experience uh, of our services and of the existing landscape with the new technologies coming in. And that's a challenge to find new people who are interested to work in financial services and then blend them in a nice way with the people who know what to be delivered. I think we have found a very good uh, way of doing this um, uh, combination and blending and the agile ways of working helped us tremendously. We have structured our whole development teams in squads, uh, which gives us a chance to uh, have the new technologists you know, and the experienced uh, business uh, analysts in one team and drive the or drive the development uh, of the services into uh, the uh, new technologies. I'll give you an example. Uh, we have a homegrown core banking system which has been developed uh, 10 years ago. It's built on, on, a, on a Java stack essentially 
And uh, now we wanted to refactor it to the cloud. So by way of a new, uh, quite, a, quite some uh, new hires, we were able to take the old stack, modernize it, and we are able to deploy it in the cloud actually as we speak uh, in this month uh, in year. So that's a good example how we could actually take our existing system, and I'm avoiding uh, the word legacy, the existing systems uh, into the cloud and um, use it there in, a, in, a, in, in the way we want to do it in the future. Now, that's really useful. Thank you. You've publicly stated that Standard Charter Banks adopted a cloud-first strategy. Why now do you think this is a priority? And how do you think it's going to help the bank deliver and execute across its global footprint? As you just mentioned, we have a global footprint. So there is no natural country where I should base my on-prem uh, compute. So therefore, the cloud is kind of the natural home. I need the compute where the customer demand is. And this can be today in Asia, this can be tomorrow in Africa, or it can be in the Middle East or in the Western countries. So therefore, the cloud for me is the one way to be ubiquitous with my uh, compute capabilities. As we have been developing uh, our cloud stack um, from the ground up, uh, we realized that the cloud gives us much more uh, capabilities to modularize the services and make them available in different uh, in different ways and areas and different um, uh, circumstances. So the cloud for us is more like just a, a compute. It's actually a new paradigm to structure systems and services in a modularized way. Changing tax slightly and thinking about you know the need to grow you know future leaders and and future technology leaders. You've stepped into several senior leadership positions. But looking back, what advice do you wish people had given you before starting those roles? Well, uh, this could have been a long story, um, but uh, the, the one thing which uh, I would have uh, loved somebody tell me before I went into this cloud journey is that you have to understand uh, the cloud transformation as really a holistic transformation. It's not just a new compute. It's not just uh, the way you run your infrastructure. It's really gives you the capability to totally restructure your system landscape and the way you work on this system landscape. But when we started, we were a little bit too much infra-focused in the beginning. Um, so we realized along the way that there's much more uh, we can do with it. And, and that's the reason why in the second wave, I would say, in our cloud journey, I think we now got it right. And we uh, set up a cloud transformation team uh, which looks at the at this in a in a very holistic way. Holistic means we have the developer, the infra, the security people all in one room, and they design the uh, the solution from the ground up. Looking forward, and hopefully, you know, moving into a more positive year next year, is there anything you can share about where you think Standard Charter Bank is heading, and and the future direction of the bank? As I said at the beginning, Standard Chartered has been here for 160 years. And our clear intention is to stay at least the same time in the future. This is only possible by ruthlessly going through our internal processes and our interaction with the customers and transform everything we have into digital in the digital way. But we don't stop there because digital is good and digital only is good for your day-to-day -day transformation or your day-to-day -day transactions. There are moments where you have high emotions or high values, where you want to talk to people. So our mantra is 
to bring the people into the play whenever it's needed. This could be in a retail customer when he has to make a very high profile decision. He wants to have a human at his side who helps give him the right consultancy and advice at the moment. Or when we talk about commercial and corporate customers, they have a technical integration problem. We want to just beam in our technical experts at the moment when they need them best. And that is the, the, the idea we are following. We are fully digitalizing our bank, but we put a little bit of a human touch to it. Thanks, Michael. That's really interesting. And also, what would you say from those experiences are your top three priorities moving into the next 12 to 24 months? The three priorities I'm focusing on is to make compute ubiquitous. The services must be available anywhere where we are, everywhere where we are, and this is uh, pretty uh, on a pretty uh, broad footing. Obviously, cloud computing plays a vital role, but it goes further uh, in combining the on-prem and our cloud services in a nice way. The second priority is to continue with our journey um, on the transformation of the, the landscape. We want to build one system for one function, which means we are massively harmonizing our stack and uh, evolve the stack in a way that we can use the functions in many different uh, customer journeys. We are living in unprecedented times. It's not clear how the world will evolve over the next couple of weeks, months, or years. So therefore, we have to be flexible and we cannot rely on the fact that one area is secure and stable and the other is also so or is not. So, so therefore, we have to be able to be flexible with our compute. And, and that's the reason why we decided, well, compute is not something which has a physical instantiation, but compute is a capability. And this capability must be available where the need is. And therefore, I have to have the capability to shift uh, my compute power wherever my uh, biggest need for service is. This might be in Africa because we run a campaign there. This might be in the Middle East because something is going on there. Or this might be in the eastern part in Asia where the, you have elections or whether uh, a kind of market events. So compute is a capability which needs to be ubiquitous and cannot be uh, located into one spot. When you do a digital transformation, you have a lot of requirements coming from the business. And actually, you don't have the luxury to repeat your capabilities over and over again. So therefore, when you once develop something, you have to develop it in a way that it is solid, secure, and super stable. We build our components in that way that they can do certain things. And these certain things, things are uh, rock solid and built in a very nice way. The only way to get these services is by means of APIs or message-based uh, protocols. And when you apply these artifacts only, these services can be used um, by many, many other uh, services in the best possible way. So this old concept of the service-based architecture, which has been around for generations, I think now with cloud computing, and the capability we have in our uh, current software is really coming to life and helps us with the digital transformation. 
or let me put it even stronger, it's the cornerstone and the basis for any uh, successful digital transformation going forward. And the third, and uh, definitely not uh, least important, is the transformation of our way of working. We transform the bank in a full agile uh, working style. That means business and IT work in small teams and tribes uh, to, for, to achieve certain customer functionality and uh, realize customer journeys. So these are the three priorities for the next two years. Michael, you spoke about one of your priorities being organizing your teams for agile development. I'm wondering what you've learned during this process and is there any best practices that other leaders could benefit from? When we started agile development, we thought it's something which is focused and confined to the technical teams. We learned very, very fast that this is not the case. Agile development is more a concept. It's a paradigm. It's a, well, a new ways of working. So very quickly, we had to extend this concept of agile development from the pure developers uh, to the business and then to the infrastructure. And by doing this, we ended up transforming the whole bank, essentially. Now we are in full swing of this and we see the advantages um, which come in by having this decisive transformation of your ways of working uh, from the front, uh, the business, uh, to uh, the infrastructure as well. Then sometimes what we came across is, as you can imagine, in, 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 in big organizations, processes, they change only very slowly. And we, we not only realized that we had to change our organization, but we had to go deep in our process world and adapt this as well. We are still working on that one, to be honest, uh, but this will give, us, will give us the biggest advantage and the biggest boost uh, in that transformation. Michael, thank you very much for taking the time to speak with us today, sharing your experiences and insights in working with AWS. Thank you for having me.